So today, I have an amazing guest, Jumi Alawale. She is here because she's going to help me to kind of, and me and you guys, to go through a topic that's kind of uncomfortable. You know, we all talk about the family dynamic here on the I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall podcast. We talk a lot about the blended and step family dynamic, but we don't really spend too much time talking about our, and in quotations, traditional family setups. Jumi Alawala is going to give us some insight on how to manage relationships with toxic people. And not only that, more specifically, how do we break bonds with toxic siblings? Toxic siblings, that's something that we don't spend too much time on. So Jumi, how are you? How the heck are you today? Thank you so much for joining us first and foremost. Oh, thank you so much. I am well, thank you. It's my pleasure. It's an honor to be here with you today. Yes, and so I pretty much listen to all of your podcasts. And you all know, for me to be a podcaster, I'm not big on listening. I don't even go back and listen to my own. But yours were so intoxicating because of how in-depth you go on talking about this particular subject matter. As a matter of fact, I reached out to you, like you guys. I think I reached, this is a hard woman to get in touch with. I reached out to her. I had to go and be like, hey, honey, on comments, go check your DM. I had to stalk her almost, you guys. That's how important she is. But this topic, I feel like no one could have brought it except for you to kind of help us to break down um, toxic siblings and how to, and it's kind of hurtful, you know, to, how to break a bond with a toxic sibling. So first and foremost, thank you for being here. Um, what, why did you, because you did a podcast on this topic before, right? Yes. What yes. makes you, for those of you that have not heard it, I'm going to share a link, everybody, so that you can go and listen to hers as well. But what made you decide to talk about that particular topic? You know, being a therapist, um, there are so many things that I see in my office. And also being a human, there are so many things that I experience or experience through my friends. And so when I decided to start my podcast, the purpose of it was really to try to bring life and the therapy room together in a place where we can all share about our shared human experiences and toxicity in relationships is just one of those topics. So mm. I try to just bring as much of the real life things that we all experience that we seldom feel comfortable talking about, especially when it comes to family members, you know, it's very tricky. Yeah. And so that's why I decided to tackle that topic. Mm. What is the reason that you see a lot of people will deal for years and years and years with a toxic, and we know about toxic parents, but why will we deal with a toxic sibling for so many years before we'll finally get fed up? What's the stronghold about? I think the word is family. You know, when someone is family, there is a sense of um, expectations that we have around that word. And because of that, there's a leeway that we give to people who belong in that particular community for us. As human beings, um, our species has been able to continue because we're here today um, mm -hmm. because we like groups, right? And we feel safer in groups and we're able to accomplish more in groups. And so family is just an example of that. Family is, is an extension of that. And so to remove ourselves from toxic family members, whether they're siblings or their parents or their in-laws, 
it's usually difficult because it's hard for us to um, break bonds um, just from an evolutionary perspective. And so because when we call someone a family member, we tend to not be quick to make decisions to let things go because there's that pressure internally and externally to continue to accept behaviors that are unhealthy and that are not good for us because somebody is just merely family. Once you slap the word family on something, it, be, it really just kind of becomes sacred. So it makes us very uncomfortable to shift things. Why? How do you know that it's time to begin to break that bond with a sibling? Because sometimes, you know, we've heard of sibling rivalry. rivalry. You upset each other. You have stepped on one another's toes. But then because of that sacred bond that you mentioned, we'll forgive them. But how do you know when this is a person that, this is a relationship that is toxic and this is harmful to me. It's got to go. Like, what are some examples, maybe? Yes. So everyone's tolerance is going to be different. And that's also going to be different from a cultural perspective, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's um, a family that is just the traditional mom, dad, you know, a few sibling situation or like massive families or extended family members and things like that. Also, your experiences growing up is going to impact that. So I'm not always a big fan of cutting people off. I think there's a time and space for that. Um, mm-hmm. And it really depends on your threshold and being honest with yourself. I mm, think yeah. when it gets to the point where you have to cut someone off, it's because your safety or the safety of the people that you care about is on the is on the line. So when you don't want to pass on um, generational issues that refuse to, you know, resolve themselves, um, and now you're going to pass it on to your own children, or you're going to pass it on to your own stepchildren, or it's impacting your own mental and physical health. I say, you know, if this person was a friend, would you continue this relationship? Um, And for many of us, we wouldn't. Um, We only allow this because this person has this particular title. And so ultimately, I think it boils down to your threshold of what you can take. But ultimately, when your safety, and it doesn't mean physical safety alone, your emotional safety is at stake, then it's time to go. So you ask for an example. For me personally, when I think about my life and family members that I let go, um, those are the people that I felt like the issues that had occurred in that family had gone on for generations. This, this is like generations, my parents' generation, and it's passed on to my generation. And I decided that I would not let that pass on to my children's generation because they don't need to be exposed to that level of toxicity when you can't be happy for one another. You can't wish each, each other well. You're always looking for a black sheep to, to punish or to speak badly about where they're not clapping for you, but instead they're kind of hoping and praying for your downfall. People like that really bring no value, right, to your life. So I don't even call them family. I just call them relatives <laughs> because in my mind, hey, we are related. Downfall, that is like an enemy. That's like someone that hates you, but you share blood. Absolutely. And, and, and sharing blood is not licensed for abuse, Right. Mm. So just because we are, you know, we are related and I don't call them family. Like I said, I call them relatives. Relatives. We are related by blood, but family are the people that I choose to surround myself with that. I know that they are rooting for me, that I know that no matter what, 
if I call on them, you know, they've got me. And if they call on me, I've got them. So those people, they've been relegated from family to relatives and they've been moved out. I like that. Life. Yes, for the sake of my children, because we're not going to do this to the next generation. I like that. And you know what? Even just if we're, you know, obviously our subconscious, if we're trying to retrain our subconscious, because when we say the word family, you're like, dang, I know they're evil to me. I know they said they want to kill me, but I feel a sense of obligation. Mm-hmm. But even just changing the word and how you identify them, that still kind of takes a little bit of the responsibility away. I, I, I kind of, I feel like. I like that. Thank you. Yes, so, absolutely. Absolutely. How do I, I do that though? How do I, besides calling them a relative, how do I, because I feel like it's easier with an auntie or an uncle or a cousin, but how do I do that with a sibling? How do the listeners do that with a sibling? Yes. With siblings, this can be really difficult because there are so many strings that are pulling on you, unlike an auntie or an uncle. You know, the kind of strings that are pulling on you are like your parents who are going to be clearly unhappy. If your parents are alive, they're going to be clearly unhappy to see that their children are, you know, they're not a unit. You know, as a parent, I could not imagine that my children don't get along with each other as they get older. That there's a point where they're like, we're not family anymore, we're relatives. That's got to be heartbreaking for a parent. Yeah. And so I think because it's it's not just about us, it's about our parents. And if we love our parents, you can't help but see the pain in their eyes. So that makes it much, much difficult to be able to, you know, cut off siblings. And in those cases, depending on the severity, again, and also what you can, you know, take, um, depending on the severity, it will will determine how you move yourself away from people, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're distancing ourselves from toxic people, there are so many levels to that. There is the complete permanent cutoff where you're not talking to them, you're not interacting with them, you're not engaging with them. There is Mm -hmm. just the the distance where whenever there's something going on with a family, you don't attend, or if you attend, you're not attending for a prolonged period of time. Um, There is the, I only see you at Christmas or at a graduation situation. There is the, I only reach out to you when I hear that something good is going on in your life. You've got to pick and choose which one is going to work best for you. But I completely understand when people say to me, you know, Jimmy, this is very difficult for me because this is my sibling and to watch my parents be sad or mad or angry or depressed that this isn't going well. And I I, I encourage continuous conversation in that case with parents to have a conversation about, you know, how that whole situation is affecting you. Mm-hmm. At some point when your security, when your sanity, when your safety is on the line, even if a parent cannot see that, that, that becomes problematic because it sometimes, right. Did they, it sometimes, like, did they perpetuate this negative yeah. between the children then? Yes, because when it gets to that level, sometimes parents themselves are um, part of the problem. Because they're not telling the truth, or maybe they've decided that, you know, you are the black sheep of the family, um, and the black sheep is usually the healthiest person in the family. <laughs> so really? Realize, yeah, the people who are not well don't realize that they're not well. The, okay, the black sheep is usually the healthiest one. Explain, explain that dynamic, because I know a lot of people that do consider themselves a black sheep, but they seem pretty well balanced to me. They just don't communicate with the clan that they come from anymore. Yes, because oftentimes when children are growing up in a family, the black sheep is the one that exhibits the toxicity, the dysfunction of the family in their behavior. They become symptomatic 
right? So it's mm-hmm. like you know, you you catch you catch a cold, and then you you're not sneezing, and you know you're you have an itchy throat. The sneezing and the itchy throat is. Um, emblematic of what's going on with you. It, it tells us that there's, there's a virus in your body mm-hmm. that is doing damage, right? So the sneezing itself is not, it's, it, it's, it's just a symptom of the, of the condition. Right. And so the black sheep in the family becomes the symptom. They are the truth tellers. They're the ones that refuse to go by, you know, hiding and lying and, and pretending oh, and holding secrets of the family. They are calling out this bad behavior and putting Absolutely. it on the street. And that Absolutely. makes people uncomfortable when you're calling out their toxic traits, right? Yes. So, so they would just much rather group and be by themselves and exclude you, yes. the black sheep. Yes, because you're different, because you're not going with it. So when they go out and they want to pretend when they're outside, when inside they're creating all manners of H-E-L-L in the house and mm-hmm. everybody goes mm-hmm. out and all the others are pretending, this one isn't. And so it slowly begins where everybody turns on that. And, you know, nothing brings others close together, like having a common enemy. And so even with a family, you know, unit, you can have one child who becomes the enemy that brings all of them together. It doesn't mean that that family is cohesive. They're only cohesive because they have a common enemy, which is the black sheep. Mm. So it's just a big puddle of dysfunction. But <laughs> as, we, you know, as we say there, you know what? Because I've seen a lot of people bond because they have one common enemy mm-hmm. but oh my goodness you know and i always say relationships like that are you know it's just like a ticking time bomb because they're so yes. volatile you get these volatile personalities who are rallying together to hate express show their hatred for one person but oh honey the minute that they have to turn on one another that's when they begin to eat one another alive mm-hmm. what is and, that's the you- and this is not why i even called you here but now i'm kind of curious so what is the black sheep supposed to do? Because they become isolated and now they don't have family anymore. And uh, that's hard, right? So what are they supposed to do? How do they function? I think first is just recognizing that the issue isn't you. So that you can let yourself off that's the hook. Of, yeah, of yeah. constantly asking and begging for their love and acceptance. Because once you recognize that there's a general illness going on in the family that you don't want to partake of, not should you partake of, right? There's a sense of ease that comes with that. And something else that you need to give yourself opportunity to do is to reach out and create community so that you can be able to see that it's possible to actually have family and have health. That that dysfunction and toxicity is not not synonymous with family and community. Mm -hmm. And you're able to make friends and create that community for yourself it really helps you to realize that, no, it's not you. You are not the common denominator here. Now, for them, you may be the common denominator because if the siblings and the parents and all of them are acting out, you may feel like I'm the common denominator, so I must be the problem. Yeah. Right? You give people the opportunity to be there for you, that you're not running away from closeness because it, it makes getting close to people difficult, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so you know that. No, go ahead. Okay, so going back to this, because um, I, I didn't even think of this when I reached out to you to ask you the question. You know, if we have a toxic sibling, then, you know, it's kind of like a major duh. Is where did this person get this toxic behavior and who has supported it? And who created it? Who created these monsters, as sometimes I like to say. And I didn't even think to say many times with family, it's attached because a family is a system. If you support the systemic rule of, um, of, of families, 
then can we approach our parents or the people that were responsible for raising this sibling or is it just too late to be like listen y'all made y'all created this monster i can't tell you <laughs> 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 oh goodness i think it's it's a, it's there's a possibility there to be able to have a conversation with parents about you know how this was co-created and you're right families are systems um, mm-hmm. And these systems, there are different alignments. There are different, um, you know, sometimes there's strangulation in the system where a few people get together and they kind of form their own thing. Sometimes some people are closer than the other. Whatever it is that's created in that system was not working. And people at some point will have to figure out how to take responsibility for their own behaviors in there. But to your question, yes, you can approach the parents and, and talk to them if they have um, any kind of impact on that sibling. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're not able to influence that sibling at all. And you're just going to have to hold that particular sibling to account for their behavior. It is not fair to hold your parents accountable for your sibling's behavior, but it is totally and absolutely fair for you to hold your parents accountable for the behavior that they engaged in, right? That Mm -hmm. created this, especially if they're not being honest and truthful because sometimes parents in in you know in the bid to be fair and you see this happen a lot within our culture right now mm-hmm. in the bid to be fair we like to give you know make both sides equal and there are sometimes mm-hmm. both sides are not equal <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's totally unfair to try to balance the scale as if by doing that, you know, you're not giving too much on this side and you don't look like you're more biased on one side or the other, but the truth must be spoken. And the truth does not care about balance. The truth does not care about balancing out the scale on both sides. The truth is just the truth. And so when parents do that whole, well, on this side and on this side for things that they shouldn't even compare their apples and oranges and beans and, 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 and pineapples, Right. Not being honest. (laughs) And it's okay to hold them accountable to say, no, you're not being honest. No, you're not being truthful. And I don't think that it's fair for you to make these comparisons that make absolutely no sense. Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmoms, that's you and me. Mm. So in an effort to maybe, because I see a lot of parents doing that to the child that they perceive is stronger. They'll just expect them to be more accepting to their siblings' shortcomings. And listen, you know, that's just how they are, which is, I feel like, one of the most dangerous statements you can make to a person that kind of perpetuates that cycle. We all know somebody who everybody excuses their bad behavior by saying, well, you know, just that's just how they are. Oh, Lord. But so what you're saying is the parents... Uh, parents that those of you especially that are listening you're doing your children a disservice by not calling the behavior out so Jumi, should the behavior be called out in front of the other siblings because i guess what i'm trying to avoid now is the people that are listening that might have small kids 
or still their kids are still impressionable. I don't want them to create this sibling rival or rivalry or even allow it to sprout. So should they call out the bad behavior when it happens? Or what is a parent supposed to do to make sure that kids get along later in life? I think both can happen. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It depends mm -hmm. on the children. Um, having two children does not mean that you raise those two children the same way. I have mm -hmm. two children and I don't raise them the same way because they have very different bents. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, your way of raising child A might be different from child B and it might look unfair um, yeah. to both of them. <laughs> um, but you need to know your own children to know which way is best. If your child needs that extra conversation and, and maybe you go talk to them in their rooms or maybe take them out on a date where you're both feeling really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. You take them to watch a movie or something like that at some point when, you know, COVID is not an issue. Um, yeah. You can have a conversation with them about a heart to heart conversation about their behavior that you're observing that you think is really harmful to their sibling, okay? And then you do the same thing too with that other sibling who is on the receiving end of that to just let them know that they're not going crazy. We don't want to be gaslighting our children, right? Gaslighting so, our children. Right, right. Like, this child is feeling... Yeah, this child is feeling that something is wrong and something really is clearly wrong and parents want to pretend that it's not happening. That doesn't help that child. You need to be able to say to that child, look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I can see how this must feel and you have every right to feel the way that you feel. And I think that behavior is not okay. And I'm having a conversation with your sibling about this to make sure that we halt this behavior. And that's easier to do now when they're young, right? Mm -hmm. But don't pretend yeah. that it's not happening. And also don't tell that child, you know, this is how, like you said earlier, oh, this is how this person is, or because you're the strong one, it becomes so complicated when they get older, because now the one that's never been held to account has a sense of entitlement. You know, I, I think that we need to talk to the sibling who is on the receiving end of it so that we're not gaslighting them. They don't think that they're crazy for feeling the way that they feel and mm. go to them and validate where they're coming from, validate their experience, validate their emotions and let them know I'm looking into this. I'm having a conversation with your sibling about this because if you don't do that and you catch that early, what's going to happen to that sibling that's not held accountable and to the sibling who is always have to be the one to take the high road is that mm. you create a monster, right? Mm. Because the sibling that's monster. never Right, right. The sibling yes. that's never been held accountable now becomes somebody that has a sense of entitlement oh. to whatever, you know, whether it's money, whether it's your time, whether everything is problematic. If they want something, they must get it. So now you have created a monster for yourself and then you create an unfair burden on the one who's done it right, on the one who is healthier. Now you tell that person because you have done all this work and because you've carried so much burden, here's more burden for you to carry on behalf of the toxic person. Ooh, that is unfair. Is, okay, let me ask you this. What is a person right now, let's just because there are adults that listen to this podcast that are literally listening to this and saying, oh my God, she's talking to me. How are they supposed, and we have the holidays coming up too, depending on when you guys listen to this exact podcast, but how are they supposed to look their parents in the eye and say something like that to them when all of the kids are adults now, but you know that everybody knows there's a toxic one, but mom and dad or mom is looking over this behavior. What can this adult that's listening to this, how can they approach their parents? 
you know, from a culture perspective, I can speak about my own culture. You know, I'm from mm-hmm. Nigeria and then we live in England and then I'm, now I live in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's a way that you have a conversation with your parents that you never want to cross certain lines. They won't even, they won't even let you cross it, right? <laughs> it's not even going to happen. Um, oh, honey, not yet. Ooh, right, right, right. <laughs> but That's the not truth going is, to happen. You, you've got to be careful with that. But the tr- yes. truth does And I didn't grow up in a Nigerian household, but I know Igbo. I know Yoruba. I know Fufu. I know. I know that. Yeah, and I've done some Nollywood films, guys. Back in my day, y'all know Miss, Ma- Miss Nigel was a, not that great actress, but I had some roles in some. So I know. I know a little bit about your culture, and I know not to play with those aunties because that's not who you want problems with. Is those aunties? <laughs> yes, it, it, can, it, can be, it can become a, a problem real quick. At the same time, you must find your voice. And I think this is part of health. This is part of growth in the right direction. Right. At some point, we, you know, we, we cut cords with our parents. At some point, we grow beyond what we've been taught by our parents. There's mm-hmm. a saying in my culture that says that once you're birthed, you rebirth yourself. So there's, a, mm-hmm. there's an understanding wow. of evolution. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we evolve in a more mature way, even than our parents. It is, you know, and this is hard for many people to, to, to say out loud that you might be a little more emotionally mature than your parents. That is hard. That feels a little disrespectful and um, pompous, but in, a, in many cases, it's kind of true. Yeah. 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 And so you have to learn how to handle them gently, right? And be able to speak in the language that they understand, which is ultimately that they feel heard as a parent. Call it out and say, mom, dad, I know this must be hard for you as a parent. Uh-oh, I'm scared occur? already. Like, this makes me nervous even just with you saying it, because I would, oh, God, <laughs> I'm shaking right now. <laughs> it's, it, 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 you know, to grow is hard. Right, we, yeah. we, but just because it's hard does not mean that we don't grow because it's hard is not an excuse to not move to the next level, to not shift our focus, to not shift our bodies, to not shift yeah. our thinking. Okay, yeah. or else we'll continue to get entrapped in the same thing and then pass it on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn how to set boundaries for our families because when we don't set boundaries for people, we're not really being honest with them. Right. Boundary setting is a form of vulnerability. It's me saying to you, this hurts me when you do this. Right. And yeah. we tend to think that when we set boundaries that we're being mean or hard or we're putting up walls. No, it's really being honest about how you feel. And so it's important that you're able to communicate to your parents in the best way that you know how that will be gentle, but at the same time, not take ownership for their feelings as a parent. You can understand it, you can understand where someone is coming from, but it doesn't mean your understanding of their behavior means that you give them a pass, right? You can say, yeah. oh, this person grew up in a toxic environment. You know, there was abuse in their life, blah, 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 but you don't get right. in a relationship with them and they're being abusive towards you. And then you say, well, it's because of their past. No, you've still right. got to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I, I guess no matter what, you know, it, getting punched in the nose from a person with a traumatic childhood and getting punched in the nose by a person that didn't have a traumatic childhood still hurts you. So, yes. you know, it's, it's like I can't really be responsible for which your unhealed hurt. 
so as far as these these siblings and, and as far as people because i guess what i'm asking now is how is a person supposed to know if they're just being kind of sensitive and or if they truly do have a toxic sibling you know it's like because some people you know, if, if you go to your parents especially some cultures some families they're like oh my god hey come on now like you're tripping did really did you you took it the wrong way or you've always been so sensitive how do we know when because there's some cases where we feel like a person is toxic but they just attacked our ego <clears throat> or we are being sensitive or we have not dealt with some of our own trauma how do we know the difference Oh, that's a really hard one. That's a. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's why I asked you to come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really, really tough one. This is what I'm going to say. I'm not very, um, I'm not very supportive of being dismissive of someone's emotions because they're sensitive, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So you can be sensitive and still be logical. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can, you can be an empath and still be logical. And so the idea that you're sensitive and because you're sensitive, that means you're emotionally dysregulated. That means that you can't, you can't tell about the incoming that is coming your way. The arrows that are being shot your way is, is completely nonsensical. So for yeah. me, being sensitive is not uh, the litmus test of whether or not something is toxic. It just lets me know when things land for you, how it lands for you and how you feel it deeply. But it doesn't mean that it didn't land. Mm. So people shouldn't really invalidate your feelings or uh, shoot them off as being nothing just because it lands differently for you than it lands for me. Exactly. And if something lands differently for you, the, the, the purpose of a healthy family, whether it's a partner, a sibling, a parent, is to be able to hear it and be able to say, okay, this, this, is, this is why I say that you raise kids differently according to who is in front of you, because mm-hmm. the most sensitive one needs to be handled differently, right? Yeah. And so when, yeah. when you're sensitive and something is hurtful to you and you are communicating it to people that you, you love, your siblings, your parents, your partner, your children, whatever, and you're letting them know when you do this, this, this is how it feels for me. And instead of them to listen, to change course, to apologize, to say, no, that was not my intention, but intention is not the same thing as impact and own it and change. If they're just saying, well, you're just too sensitive and dismissing it and not changing, that's not healthy. Right. That is unhealthy. You know, Jumi, what I see a lot of people doing um, that are divorcing, divorced people or they're in healthy co-parenting situations is they have determined, all right, our romantic relationship no longer works. We are way better apart than together, but we still have the responsibility of raising a child. And so these two people can come together and be really nice to one another at school functions and birthday parties. They've learned how to coexist. They've just taken away the romantic aspect of the chi- uh, of their relationship. But everything else, the respect, still remains the same you know it's, it's kind of cool and what that does is it allows a child to be so free and so happy they don't have to put on pretenses they don't have a loyalty bind to either parent ideally if siblings did not get along they would kind of be able to do the same thing they're like hey okay so we're not going to have this type of relationship but we share a family and so that our family does not have to choose either one of our sides when we are around one another can we play nice? Ideally, that would be the case, right? How? Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a toxic sibling, they're probably going to want to rally the troops and turn everyone against you. And they would never try to coexist with you because they're toxic. 
But if how how can you ideally how could we have that type of conversation? And maybe saying it just the way I just said it to a sibling, but um when would we know that hey, it's time you have this type of conversation with your sibling because you don't want holidays to be uncomfortable. You know, because you still have to raise your parents together. You, you like, I just watched my mother and my father take care of their mothers until the ends of both of their lives. And mm-hmm. one side of my family, the siblings came together every single day. We were together taking care of grandmother. And on the other side of the family, it was war. And this 95-year-old woman had to see her children literally fighting and expressing hatred and resent for one another. Not a good way, not a fair way for a person to lead this life. But how do we have that conversation with our siblings when we know, Jumi, that, you know, I'm not going to fool with you on a day-to-day basis, but we still have to, um, we still have responsibility to the same people. Yeah. I love what you just shared and, and how that would be ideal. And I do encourage such conversations if it's feasible. Um, because feasible. Yeah, feasible. If, if it's feasible, because sometimes yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's very on brand for people who are toxic <laughs> to set fire to everything. As, as soon as it comes <laughs> from your mouth, as soon as it's your idea, it's a terrible idea. Mm. Right? Yeah, so, she said on brand. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, so if it's something that's doable where you can sit down and talk about what it is that you have in common and like your parents and your love for them and your love for seeing them happy and how you can make that possible without stepping on each other's toes and being respectful of each other's boundaries, then that's a great conversation to have, right? Um, and it like I said, like talking people or talk, you could have it. Yeah, so I guess you wouldn't really have that with a toxic person. It's hard to do, honestly. It's really, really hard to do because they are often on the defense and they're often focused on being right. And it's, you, you have to be careful about setting yourself up for failure because mm-hmm. you can't predict somebody else's behavior. You, you don't have control over how they're going to react. And so when you pump yourself up about this great thing that you want to go and do, <laughs> they do that right. that, they, that they usually do, you, you're going to find yourself in the mud with them, mudslinging like, you always do this, you never do So, yeah. you know, if you're going to do that, don't hold too fast to what it, the outcome will look like. Be open to the outcome not looking the way that you want it to look. And if it doesn't look like that, you can say to yourself, I know that I've tried. But it's very on brand for toxic people. It's on brand. I yeah. expected this. To, I expected them to they, yell. They will throw lighter on that stuff and blow mm-hmm. it up. Okay. So then if, how, how do you, um, if you know that they're going to be on the defense, you know they have this propensity to, meet, to be right, can't you prepare for that though? Like, how do you um, not make them so defenses? How do you get them to bring down their defenses? Or is it even possible? It is. It is. And this is why at the beginning I said that I'm not a big fan of cutting people off. Right? Okay. So you, okay. if you don't have to cut them off, you don't need to cut them off. So how you deal with that, again, is not being so much attached to the angle of things that you cannot control. So let's talk about like the holidays that are coming. You know, when you're going to yes. be with family, Stay on topic that is neutral and fun, right? Many yeah. of us already know the types of topics that when they show up in our family gatherings, Uh-oh. it's like a it's bomb fight time. 
it's time to fight. Right. We know it. Right. So stay away from those types of topics as much as possible. Keep it on soft, gentle, neutral. How is life? How is family? How is career? How is great, great, great? Keep it really, really surfacy. Don't go near. Sometimes they will create it. Sometimes they will start it. And once they start it, that's when you want to go to the bathroom. Once they start it, that's when you're going to go outside for fresh air. Once they start it, that's when you bury yourself, you know, on your phone on social media. But don't take the bait. Because when Mm -hmm. we we get home, we tend to fall back into our usual ways we used to behave when we're little. We tend to fall back into those old roles. So you've got to be intentional and be aware of your body, the tension that is going on there, okay? Mm. So So that when you get there, you're not acting from a subconscious space rather than a very conscious and mindful space. Mm, be aware. Yeah. So this kind of sounds like you kind of need to leave your ego in the car because it's not going to do you any good around this type this around this person. Yes, 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 yes. And look, it's hard to leave egos behind, right? So yeah. acknowledge your humanity. Remind yourself that you're going home and you're going to see these people and you know how they're going to behave just historically speaking. And you know what the topics are to stay away from it. Yes. Give yourself opportunity to leave the room. Like you don't need to be there the whole time. Like you can go to the bathroom. You can go, you can have friends call you for something. You can Mm -hmm. leave early. Plan ways so that you can be able to leave and get some fresh air if it's needed so that you don't have to get entangled in the web of mess that they may create. Mm, That's amazing. You just have to, basically, it sounds a little like if you know this person is toxic, if there's a situation where you just cannot cut them off completely, then you're going to have to be the bigger person. Yeah, you, yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're going to have to focus on your own behavior rather than trying to control them. You have to let go of the idea that you can change them. You have to mm. let go of the idea that they will understand you. You just have to take them as is, right? <laughs> you take them as is and you go in creating boundaries around the topics that you're willing to get into and the topics that you're not. And even if they're prodding, you find mm-hmm. ways to kind of like shoo it away like you would shoo a fly, you know, kind of just shoo it away and, and not like, oh, okay. yeah. and escape. <laughs> I have escaped so many conversations, let me tell you, yeah. that I don't want to go into. Like when it starts, I find him, I'm like, oh gosh, I need to go to the bathroom. That's the end mm-hmm. of that conversation because I'm not coming back. When I come back, I'm not coming back to that same room. I'm gone. You are gone. I'm or gone. you can just sit and watch the conversation from afar and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And Absolutely. I can say, so, Julie, what's your opinion on that? <laughs> I'm like, what did you say? <laughs> uh, uh, what now? Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm really glad that we were able to have this conversation because, you know, people just sometimes feel sucked in and they feel obligated. And then there, here comes that ego, that sneaky ego, when you're like, well, I need to say something. I got to make this person right. But I like what you said about you might not have to cut people off all the time. You just can maybe cut off their access to certain parts of you. Yes. So that because you that's the only thing you can control. You can control you. Woo-wee! Jimmy Alawale. What? So, okay. I know, like I said, I know a little bit about Niger. Niger <laughs> people. Did you grow up in Nigeria or, um, or you yeah. grew up in London? I grew up partly in Nigeria and then I moved to the UK when I was 15. What tribe? 
because I know the tribe. Yoruba. Okay. Yes. See, I got some real bad experiences with some real bad Yoruba men, but I know that doesn't mean anything to you because <laughs> I I know you are a good one. But ooh, honey, ooh, honey, I might make that a whole other. The Yoruba demon. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, honey. Yeah, I'm, I'm moved on and married now, but ooh, <laughs> no, ma'am, Pam. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Well, can you tell everybody how to find you, where to find you, and uh, where to follow you? Yes. So I can be found on Facebook. I have a public page, Jimmy Olawale um, Counseling and Coaching. And I'm also on Instagram, Jimmy Olawale the Therapist. I'm so sorry for pronouncing your name wrong. Can you teach no. me again? Because I said Allah Wale. I'm so, so, so sorry. Can you tell me again how to pronounce it? Because no, I do really not well. like getting people's names wrong. No, you didn't get it wrong. You did well. And I can't expect you to pronounce it with the Nigerian dialect or the Nigerian accent. Um, okay. accent. Okay. So, <laughs> there are many things I don't pronounce well. Okay. <laughs> just because well, I'm Nigerian. Being accent. Understanding. Of course. <laughs> yes. But I do pride myself on making sure that I pronounce a person's name as their ancestors provided it with them. So you didn't butcher it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, and I interrupted you go on Facebook, Instagram, and the website. Yes. So, um, you can also find me at focuscounselingclinic.com. That is the website for my group practice that I own and also on jumialali.com. Got it. Got it. And please, 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 when you all reach out to her, please follow her. Listen to her podcast. She has amazing podcasts, YouTube videos. Make sure you tell her that Naja sent you. And like, follow, subscribe, and share her everywhere. Because this is this woman is a jewel. There's, I, I literally could have kept talking probably for another hour. However, I only booked you for this amount of time. So I'm going to have to ask you to come back now. I'm going to have to have you come back. Because I'm sure... All of these people you've given this great advice to about these siblings, after the holidays come, then they'll be able to tell us about if they used your tips or if they ended up in jail. Either way, you know? <laughs> I forgot to tell you, they can find me on my, my podcast too, Life, Love, and Therapy. Life, Love, and Therapy. Thank you so, so, so very much for joining us. I will see you all week after next. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I thank you so much for hanging in here with us for over a year now. This is I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. I'll see you I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. With Naja Hall.